Hey there, and welcome to Wildlife Stories, a podcast about paying attention to the natural world and connecting with your wild neighbors. My name is Sophie Mazawita, and this is our very first episode. And for the first episode of Wildlife Stories, I'm going to tell you a story about my backyard coyotes, about getting to know some of the wild species that we're exploring, the, the woods behind my house in a fairly urban area. And I work as a wildlife guide. I've, I've been a park naturalist, interpretive ranger, but always a firm believer that you don't need to travel to a wilderness area to have deep, meaningful experiences with wildlife, that it's basically waiting right outside our doorsteps. And we, we do all have different locations, different starting points, but there are moments of magic to be found wherever you may be if you're ready to turn on your senses and start building relationship with the natural world. So wherever you are on that journey, I want to drop you into where I was on my journey about five, six years ago. And in short, that was not believing that there were coyotes in the woods behind my house, which uh, was on the fringe of Burlington, Vermont. But this was at the time that I was taking a deep dive into wildlife tracking. So I was dedicating a lot of time every day to learning to read the tracks and other signs that animals leave behind on the landscape. And there are a couple of regular practices that were a part of this. The first one was going out to what I called a sit spot each day. And I was really fortunate. I feel so much gratitude that I lived next to about 100 acres of forest, this small forest patch uh, between two roads with a little stream traveling through it. And so I would go and I would sit for uh, as long as I could next to that stream and just pay attention, sometimes wait or hope for wildlife to come to me. And then another thing that I would do is walk that brook edge and also the human trail, this little community trail that went through that little patch of woods and look for animal tracks. But at the outset, I actually had the feeling that those backwoods weren't that lively a place. So I just remember my first days out there thinking that it was such a fortunate thing to find a set of fox tracks or to sit at my sit spot long enough to notice a mink making his or her way up the stream edge at dusk towards their bank den or out on a foraging mission. And that kind of felt like it, like that was where my, my expectation kind of ran out as far as seeing and getting to engage with wildlife. But as I spent more and more time out there, I, of course, started to train my eyes to pick up more and more, and especially animals that were maybe not very common or even always present in that particular patch of woods, but they were traveling through it as part of their territory. And so I remember the first time that I explored the far side of the brook. I you know, crossed through the four inches of water in my mud boots and found these five-toed tracks on the other side and recognized that it was the trail of an otter that had made its way up onto the bank and rolled in the sand there, spreading out the oils in their fur. And I started placing trail cameras out on the landscape. So these cameras that are activated by heat and motion and documenting the travels of foxes and capturing some really interesting behaviors that would actually be hard to even pick up on in some situations, like finding a fox that buried a muskrat that it had caught. And I have a video of it carrying this muskrat, digging a hole in the ground, placing the muskrat in there, and then nosing the soil back over top 
And I remember going and visiting that spot, knowing that there was this cache of food under the ground because I had just captured that video and watched it and saw that there was nothing that had been dug up. So like the fox hadn't returned to find that cache of food, but not being able to detect where it was because the fox had so adeptly camouflaged it and made that ground look like the ground everywhere else in the woods. Of course, if it had been snow season, if it was the winter, it would have been hard for the fox to disguise that evidence. But they are known in some cases to like very sneakily step backwards through their own tracks to try to disguise the movement and do everything that they can to hide where they've stored their food. So setting up those cameras definitely started to reveal more of those stories. And that, that just kind of fueled some of the interest and excitement. And so there, these were stories of deer, stories of otters, story of a fisher, a big tree climbing member of the weasel family that is pretty well known for its ability to prey on porcupines. And, um, had also talked to local naturalists and neighbors to kind of help fill in some of the, the information that they knew and what they were seeing in those backwoods and basically started to build up this idea that, you know, most of the animal species present in the state of Vermont where I was living were represented in those backwoods, even though I was close to one of the busiest intersections in Vermont, just this, uh, you know, little patch remnant forest, but not coyote. There had been no sign of coyote, nothing on my videos. I hadn't noticed any tracks. And coyote can be a, a tricky animal to try to identify in the landscape because coyote tracks are very similar to domestic dog tracks in many ways. Of course, a, a trained tracker can point out many of the differences to look for. And uh, the behavior of those animals is different, too. You know, picture a dog, especially an off-leash dog, making its way through a park. And you can imagine investigation side to side along the trail, peeing on all kinds of things, uh, playful behavior, making loops off and onto the trail to rejoin its owner. And, and even same with a dog on a leash, right? Just lots of investigative wandering. And, and coyotes will do some investigation too, but they have to be much more careful about the amount of energy that they're expending when they're out on the land. And so oftentimes when you're trailing coyotes, You'll find them on a, a very direct route, always carefully placing their hind foot where its front foot has landed on the mud or the snow. And, you know, in snow conditions too, finding groups of coyotes that step right into each other's tracks that sometimes you get surprised when you think you're following one coyote and it turns into two or more that we're traveling together. And that can be a really magical moment. But I wasn't finding any evidence of coyote on the land, uh, but rather lots of tracks from some of my neighbor's dogs that were sometimes accessing that patch of woods. And I would know that they were dog tracks because I would see big blunt claw marks, a more round foot shape versus a coyote's track that's longer than it's wide. Um, the toes splayed out to the sides and uh, and behavior that seemed to indicate more of a playful nature and exploratory nature of an animal that isn't worried about when it's going to get fed next and you know how much energy it might use up when it's going out on the land. And so I remember kind of holding on to that narrative basically that like, well, yeah, so, so coyotes are, are not around. And basically that if, if I wanted to prove that they're out there, I wanted like really, really good evidence and I wanted to feel really certain because every now and then I would find a track that made me wonder like, oh, this, this actually is the, the size of a coyote track. It's on the side of the brook away from where my neighbors live. It's maybe less likely a dog would be there, but I could never feel confident enough, uh, especially during 
spring, summer, and fall when I wouldn't be finding a whole set of tracks to follow from a soft-footed animal like a coyote. I would just be finding a little glimpse here and there along the edge of the brook. So some of those first maybe coyote tracks I was finding were giving me little glimpses of the possibility that this animal could be out there. Um, and I know that coyotes bring up all kinds of different feelings for different people, and that can include fear and appreciation or the total opposite. And for me, though, I was just really excited to know that there's an animal that's very much closely related to a wolf potentially living sneakily, like just at the borders of my awareness in our backwoods. And none of them had been sighted in the neighborhood or anything like that. And then wintertime came, and I remember finding a trail that looked really, really good for coyote in terms of the distance between the footprints and the overall shape of the track, but it was snowed in. So I wasn't seeing any detail that could help me confirm whether it was coyote or something else. And so like an an older snowed in trail, you know, again, building up for me, this sense of, okay, maybe just maybe I have coyotes out here and I want to keep on looking. And then Over a year into my explorations of this area, one of my trail cameras finally turns up coyote in the month of February. And finally, I have the proof that I need. But the story doesn't end there because that just raised so many more questions. Where was this coyote? Was it a resident of the area? Was it just traveling through? Could it be a young coyote dispersing? So now my curiosity is just amped. I'm really excited to have this proof to fill it in this piece of the puzzle, but I want to know more. And a month later in March, I do get more because I have this whole sequence of images of a coyote in that exact same location. But this time the coyote is sniffing around, raising a leg to urinate and leaving it scent all over, seeming to stake a claim to this territory. Now, knowing that the spring is a sensitive time when a lot of animals are denning, giving birth to their young, I decided to leave out my cameras for an extended period of time without checking them. So I set them up in April and went back to check them the first week of June. So I went out there with a huge amount of anticipation and excitement for what might have been captured on camera. And that excitement bubble just got totally burst when I came upon the camera and saw that it was buried out of sight in a sea of ostrich ferns, about waist-high vegetation had grown up all around where I'd placed the camera. In most cases, I have a tendency to place cameras really low to the ground to detect wildlife because I want something as small as a mink or a fisher or a porcupine or a raccoon to show up on camera. So this often means knee height, maybe a foot and a half, two feet off the ground, always depending on what I'm targeting. But for just general capturing things large and small, that's where I'll place a camera. So obviously, for the past few weeks, that camera had not been capturing anything, right? It's just the sea of ferns. And what happens is you get false triggers where the wind blows those ferns from side to side, and that's going to start the camera taking videos. And so I'm just anticipating that I'm just going to have pictures of ferns on the camera. But I know that I said it in April before the ferns had started growing. So I pop the SD card into the reader on my computer, and I take a look at what pops up on screen. And the first animal there is a raccoon back in the month of April, and then a house cat, cardinal, a flock of white-throated sparrows probably moving north on their summer migration because I know they're not resident in the area. So I see these sparrows feeding on the ground, and then a raccoon moving away from the camera, a cottontail rabbit, a raccoon coming at the camera, lots of raccoon activity. And then 
I got really excited when I saw deer on the camera. It looks like a young buck and then a gray squirrel. So actually reasonable diversity. And then the clips kind of faded away to just ferns, 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 ferns blowing in the breeze. And for whatever reason, I decided to just be sure to look through all of those videos because you just never know what might else have been captured. And so ferns, 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 ferns. And I get to video 155 of ferns blowing in the breeze. And this little gray ear pops up on the screen. And then another gray, gray reddish ear. And then the profile of an animal. And it looks like this little puppy, a little pup that turns their head towards the left and shows me their profile for just a moment before they race off after one of their litter mates as these shapes mysteriously travel through the ferns. And it's just this moment of awesome amazement. And I actually had to look up, you know, had to Google to try to figure out how can you tell the difference between coyote and fox pups? Because these very much looked like little coyote fox wolf pups, but those are all born uh, kind of like a, a dirt color, like matching the color of the earth so that they can be pretty protected and, and camouflaged uh, at their den site. And it's not like a coyote pops up the color of a coyote and a red fox pup pops out looking like a red fox with its rusty orange red color. Uh, but it did turn out that these were coyote pups. And I mean, talk about confirmation, there's coyotes in your area, right? Like not only have I caught images of a coyote on my trail camera, but I, I have pups. And the most amazing thing about this experience was that that image was from two hours before I had checked the camera. So if I had just happened to visit that area two hours earlier, I might have arrived at that camera location at the same moment as those pups. Although, of course, I, I would have had to be real quiet and real stealthy to not scare them off, I would expect. But so cool. So here's the question. What would you do with that information? What would you do knowing that there's a family of coyotes about a 10-minute walk from your house, maybe a quarter mile away, and they've been there within the last two hours. I definitely feel drawn towards tracking and exploring the world of wildlife to, um, you know, with the hope of being able to watch animals and then also holding on really, really strongly to the principle that tracking and our presence on the landscape should in no way impact those animals which is a really tough thing, right? Because just being out there is, is spreading our scent. Um, I do also like to think that building up that relationship and understanding can help make a case for protection of that habitat. Like it's important in some ways for us to know who's out there, to understand habitat use, to understand areas that merit protection. Um, den sites being a perfect example of something that should be protected. And, uh, and even from a human safety perspective, right, it's, it's helpful to know what areas should be closed off to domestic dogs because coyotes can have bad interactions and be very protective of their den sites. So for the good of those coyotes, as well as for the good of us and our pets, uh, we want to give those animals some space. And I think it's a perfect example of how easy, how how possible it is for us to coexist that actually nobody else in my neighborhood and, and myself included seemed to have a sense that the coyotes were even out there for 
a whole year, maybe even more years because of their ability to head out at times when people aren't active and to give us a wide berth. So coyotes are doing a really good job of successfully living very close to people, including in the biggest cities in North America, like LA, Chicago, even popping up in Manhattan. Anyway, all that aside, um, my decision is that I want to go out in the least obtrusive way and just spend time, you know, have a little sit out in that area in the hopes of getting to learn more about this coyote family. And so I set out from my house and know that I have about a quarter mile of distance to cover, but I want to go so slowly and carefully that I won't be detected by these animals. And that means traveling like step, step, step. I go out into something that uh, it's often called a fox walk, basically keeping my head up, scanning the horizon, um, kind of wide angle vision at all times, placing my feet as quietly as possible. And I'm talking like always just lifting up one of my feet, gently placing it in front of the other and trying to put it down without making a sound and always keeping my awareness up. So being able to feel with the ball of my foot, uh, if there's maybe a stick that's going to crunch underneath my foot or feeling if the leaves are going to rustle too loudly. So it takes me an hour to cover a distance that would probably normally take me five minutes. And in the meantime, I'm just like completely sunk in listening to bird sounds, trying to judge if wildlife is reacting to my presence, paying attention to where the wind is coming from and where my scent would be blown, which fortunately was a really still day. So my scent wasn't really getting carried anywhere. It's just bright sun beating down actually. And it's about mid morning, which is about the time that I also had those coyotes appear on the camera. So I decided to go back at the same time of day. So I reach the area where the camera was placed. And at this point I'm, I'm looking around when I think the anticipation just built a little bit too much. And I, I quickened my pace. I dropped my focus and snap, I make this big crunching sound, stepping on a stick and breaking it with my foot. Shoot. So my reaction is to crouch down low. Immediately. I just drop down to the ground, trying to make myself look really small to try to draw that ripple of disturbance back into my body. And I sit there for probably 10 minutes trying not to swat at the mosquitoes. And I just wait, 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 essentially until I hear birdsong happening again, happening fairly nearby and thinking that I'm not sending out any disturbance waves. And then I get up and I slowly continue my journey, stepping into that clearing, the sea of ostrich ferns. And I see that I'm standing next to a staghorn sumac tree that's only about maybe 10 inches diameter, but it has this beautiful sloping lean, making it really easy to climb up. And I'm basically able to <laughs> kind of do like a monkey climb, basically using hands and feet to pull my way up this tree. And then it has this perfect crotch, this spot where uh, it branches and there's a nice spot where I can sit maybe 10 feet off the ground. And I looked out across the sea of ostrich ferns below me. And on the other side of that sea of ferns, there's a little bit of a rise and then some trees and shrubs growing. So I was basically looking out across a little clearing in the forest. And to my left-hand side, it's this floodplain, river floodplain forest stretching towards the neighborhood. And I can actually hear distant sounds coming from my neighborhood streets. 
distant lawnmower buzz, distant bird song. And then to the right-hand side, it was almost more of a industrial kind of wasteland, like looking towards more human development, um, not too far off to the other direction. And there were some railway tracks not too far away as well. So then I just wait. And I have no other appointments that day. And it was a weekday that I didn't happen to be working, I suppose. Uh, it's, you know, just me out there. It's just me in the sun. And I realized that I traveled light on this mission. So I didn't bring a water bottle, uh, any snacks, anything at all. Uh, it's, it's totally just me. And the sun is just beating down and I'm starting to feel really, really parched. But I'm also just so alert and intent on noticing anything that might be moving through this area. And just, you know, maybe I'll get lucky. Like two days ago, there were pups here. And I start to feel like I'm just becoming this tree. And it's it's not especially comfortable. Like every now and then I'm like trying to shift so that my leg doesn't fall asleep because circulation is getting cut off. But I've got eyes on the prize. Uh, I just, I just want to blend into my surroundings right now. So I'm trying to be oh so quiet every time I make a little adjustment. And my gaze is just floating off towards the north. And it's getting to the point where it's probably been 45 minutes, maybe more. Like I have no sense of time really at this point. Uh, but I'm starting to feel kind of dozy from the heat. And finally, I see some movement, this brown motion. And immediately, for whatever reason, my mind just says deer. Isn't it kind of a funny thing that you see some little piece of information like brown fur and your mind just wants to put a name on it right away? So suddenly I'm thinking, oh, there's a deer. That's really cool. Like when's when's the last time I got to watch a deer pass through a clearing below my feet because it looks like that's the direction that this animal is coming towards. So I'm gearing up for this moment when that deer just shrinks or my conception of this deer just shrinks in size. And rather than a deer stepping towards the edge of the ostrich ferns, it's one of the pups. This little puppy is there and just looking out, sniffing, and then another one appears and then another and another and another and another and and they're now moving through the ferns and underneath them in and out of sight and actually they come so quickly onto the scene that I'm not even sure how many there are maybe there's five maybe there's six but they're tumbling and playing and they're doing everything that you would might expect a puppy to do like play pouncing and chasing after each other playing little games with not an adult coyote in sight and I almost can't believe it's happening it's like a movie's playing out in front of my eyes. It's like I've stepped into a nature documentary and I'm just perched there taking it all in with my eyeballs. And I'm sure that I had this goofy grin on my face, you know, probably mouth gaping open, uh, just not believing my luck and to be able to watch this scene unfold at my feet. And, you know, my feet are literally just like dangling on either side of this tree trunk. These coyotes had found some human trash, it seemed actually like there was a plastic water bottle and some other torn up piece of plastic. So they were playing tug of war with it and thought it was kind of funny that that's what they had been drawn to. You know, it wasn't like natural sticks or playthings, but pieces of plastic that were so novel to them. And so they're tugging after those and they would race and their movements actually kept on bringing them a, a little bit closer to me as, as the day wore on. And, you know, I was up there for I'm not even sure how long because it just felt like every moment was stretching out into this infinite expanse of just soaking this in. But there was this little rise 
this hill slope behind me, uh, not too far away at all. And so as the pups ventured a little bit closer in my direction, they actually moved up that hill slope and I had them at eye level and I had to crane my neck around really slowly because I didn't want my sudden movement to startle them. And I just remember looking at them at eye level, but it was like they were looking through me. Like I, I was just another tree to them. I wasn't anything that merited their attention. I was just perch there, you know, fly on the wall, branch on the tree. And they came down towards the base of the tree too, uh, just a little bit up slope. And I just felt like if I had extended my arms, I could have reached out and touched them. I mean, they probably weren't quite that close, but, but I just remember having that real feeling of closeness. And so these pups carry on playing and I'm just relishing every second of this when this rumbling sound starts to approach. A train comes by and that sound, if you've lived near train tracks or been near train tracks, you know, that sound can carry, right? So this big sound and this rumbling comes and all the pups scatter. Actually, they all just turn and uh, tail straight away towards what I'm guessing is their den site. So to the north, uh, the location that they appeared from, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking that they must have had some kind of protected opening, whether a tunnel in the ground or, uh, you know, a space between logs or rocks or something like that, some protected space, somewhere where they felt safe, maybe some place where their parents were, which again, I'd had no scent or sign of. And so those pups disappear. And I think, all right, this is the perfect moment for me to make my exit because, I've soaked this in. I've had one of the most special experiences of my life as far as watching wildlife, feeling so close and so a part of the scene and, and reaching that ideal too, though, of not disturbing it in any way, right? Not influencing those pups with my presence. And so it's time for me to crawl out of that sumac tree and make my way back home, write it all down in my journal or tell it to my friends. So I, as quietly as possible, uh, clamber down the sumac tree and start trending west and actually exiting the area uh, a little more quickly than I approached it, right? Because I'm just trying to, to move out as, as quickly as I can, but without causing too much disturbance. And so I'm, I'm crunching across this old leaf litter, but like trying to be as quiet as possible. And I'm still keeping my eyes up along the horizon. And I see distantly, like about halfway towards my house from where I'm standing almost, that there's movement. And the coyote pups are actually out there on this river floodplain, uh, this this forested floodplain uh, amidst more ostrich ferns and other plant life and the swarms of mosquitoes that are coming at me now that I'm in the shade of the forest. And I'm kind of standing between them and their den. And I think, oh, shoot, like I'm like joyed to see them again, but also really upset that I've now put myself in this position that like I'm kind of in their pathway back home. And like, how do I get to my home without kind of pushing them one way or another? And so I crouch down low and I'm behind this great big beech tree. And I just kind of poke my head around and out to try to spot them. And I notice that they're kind of trending towards the left of my field of view. And if they were to continue to do that, they might wrap around and, and make their way back towards their den site. So I'm just trying to stay really, really small. And they make it most of the way there. So they're basically coming towards me but off like in an angle to my left-hand side and they get to about their closest point, which, which isn't like super close. We're talking 30 to 50 feet away, something like that. You know, enough that I'm getting this amazing view of them, this little trail of six pups. 
And again, so surprised to see no adult in sight to see that they have this free reign. You know, we wouldn't let our weeks or even years old little ones um, out of adult sight. But then always asking that question, like, well, could there be an adult coyote nearby? Like, how are they not in the mix here? Like, are they aware of me? What's going on? But these pups continue their travels. And then they're like directly to my left. I'm looking straight to the left to spot them. They disappear behind a big maple tree and then come out on the other side. And then they stop. And I look over that way and I can tell that they've noticed me now. And as soon as they notice me, five of the pups take off and they disappear and kind of arc back towards that sumac where I'd been and back towards the den site or what I think is the den site. But one of the pups stays still. And I kind of get the sense that, you know, if these pups have different personalities, as I'm sure they do, that this one's a little bit more curious a little less cautious. It's that adventurous one that rather than running and hiding between mom or dad coyote's legs, it's the one that's going to venture out and sniff in all the new sniffs, investigate all the new things that it comes across. And so this sixth pup just looks at me and we lock eyes and we just have that extra moment of recognition. You know, I see you, you see or sense me and I wish, but we'll never know what it would be like to be inside that coyote's head and perceiving the world the way that it does but it takes me in and then takes off and follows his or her brothers and sisters, all those litter mates, back to the safety of the den site. And I think, okay, now I can head home and I just exit as quickly as possible. I go home, I process, I journal about it and bask in that experience for a long time. And I decide that, you know, I'd rather that nobody be able to access that site, myself included, than, you know, spread word and and cause any interruption to them. But maybe somewhat greedily, I decide that I want to make one return trip, again, being as unobtrusive as possible. But I want to take my camera to try to capture a photo of these pups. Repeat my exact travel out to the den site, climb the same tree, wait about the same amount of time, maybe even a little bit less. But this time when I see a stir of movement coming from the den or rendezvous area, I get out my camera and I ever so carefully click it on. And it just makes that little noise of a digital camera with a telescoping zoom lens, just turning on and adjusting the length of that zoom. And I'm really sensitive to that. I'm like, no, I don't think, I don't think that's changed what's going on here. But the pups come out and this time, rather than scampering all around me, they stay completely hidden under the ferns. And they don't come up to eye level behind me. They don't come to the base of the sumac tree. They don't stay within sight of me. And so it really has me wondering, it's, it's again a pretty still day. I don't think my scent is carrying differently, but I wonder now if they're wise to me. Like they did see me yesterday, or smelled me, heard me, somethinged me. Uh, maybe they have a sense now that it's not quite as safe and yet they're still out there all playing with no adults in sight. So maybe it's just chance that they're playing in a different way. But I know that something in my energy has changed because rather than just being there and being a tree, I just very much have almost like the hunter's instinct. I'm seeking something, right? I want that photo. And so my energy is focused on how can I capture this image of these pups? So it's, it's like hunting for a photograph. 
And I do wonder if that different energy, whatever you want to call it, right? The way I was carrying myself, maybe subtle differences in how I was holding my body or uh, just being present in that space was enough to clue those coyote pups in. It's just totally an open question because it's, it's hard to know. And, and I think what I want to know as I go out and experience these moments with wildlife is what is it like? I feel this great sense of empathy or compassion and, and wanting to know what the sensory world is for a coyote pup, for a black cat chickadee, for a staghorn sumac. And it's something that I'll never know, but that I hope that observing and, uh, you know, building a relationship or neighborliness with the wild animals in my backyard can give me little glimpses of. And so all I end up with is blurry, nothing photographs that are nothing at all of an interpretation or representation of what I had experienced the day before in viewing this coyote pups. But those memories are completely burned, memorialized into my mind uh, in the stories that I've written in my journal and what I'm sharing with you all now. And so that's something that I'm going to be holding on to far more than a, a video that I captured or a, a photo that I captured. So I didn't get my picture and it just left me with that question. And it also made me think back to the day that I had set that camera out in that area. I had placed it on the tree and then spent some time just hanging out in that area on a rock in the middle of the woods, looking over towards this clearing that I didn't realize was going to grow up a month later with ostrich ferns because it was all under the snow at that time. And I remember feeling far away from my neighborhood, like I'd been transported into this wild place. I was in this wild edge environment. And as the sun was fading, I was watching chickadees land on a glove that I had left next to the trail camera on the ground as I sat there and they were harvesting little bits of the filling of it, like the insulation of my mitten for nesting material, I imagine. And I remember having this peaceful moment out there and then feeling a real sense of fear. And I'm not normally one to feel afraid as dusk sets in. It's actually my favorite time to be out on the land. Uh, If there's one time that I'm a regular and going out to a sit spot, it's at dusk. And maybe part of that is anticipation of wildlife activity picking up as the sun sets, because a lot of animals are crepuscular. They are most active at dawn and dusk. But there's just something about that time of day where I feel so peaceful and so alive at the same time. But I felt really afraid that day that I set the camera out. And maybe it was just fear because of how far out I was, because of the potential of maybe running into a person or an animal in the woods. I'm not quite sure. I remember thinking that, uh, you know, it's possible that people walk out here and that I'm, I'm pretty far and nobody knows where I am from my house. Like 10 minute walk away, but into the wilderness across the brook and nobody knows I'm out here. But then it does also make me wonder about the coyotes and where they would have been at that time. The pups probably not yet born or maybe just born and a week old in the den, which might've only been 50 feet away from where I sat. And then some protective parent coyotes, mother and father coyotes also in the area and maybe feeling fear about me. So just throwing it out there that maybe Maybe my feeling uh, in that moment was not just entirely in my head, but maybe grounded in something that I was sensing on the land. I don't have a way to prove this. It's just an open question that I carry. And it makes me wonder what exactly it is that we can tune into and, and what do our intuitions mean?
So that pretty much takes us to the close of my story. And maybe this is a story for another day. I did get to see those coyote pups showing up on my trail cameras, leaving their tracks along the stream edge for several months after first seeing them as pups and witnessing this whole story unfold. And it makes me wonder what they thought about me and what they were sensing of me as they grew up exploring that neighborhood too. So we'll leave it there. That's the story of how I got to know a set of six curious, playful coyote pups. And I'll look forward to catching you on the next episode of Wildlife Stories. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.